something that's been key for me is having a routine, having a schedule. I get up every morning at a certain time. I know that I'm going to exercise during this time. And then I know I'm going to write because I, I need to own my time from nine until six. There's somebody else who owns that time and they pay my bills, but before nine o'clock and after six o'clock, I own that time. That's mine. That's time for my friends, the new maturity, my family to read, to go to museums, to just whatever I want to do. But owning your time is just so, so important for any kind of project um, or any kind of thing that you want to get out into the world. Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Welcome back. I am so glad, like I say every week, but I mean it, that you are here with me on the windowsill or at the windowsill today. I had a super, super delightful conversation with this week's guest. Heath Brockwell is somebody that just said yes to his ideas and made them happen. Now, it, you know, I say that like he might, he waved a magic wand, but uh, as you'll hear, it was after a lot of thought, a lot of thinking, a lot of planning, and a lot of experience, but he's putting some pretty awesome things out into the world. When Heath Brockwell was young, he was obsessed with magazines. He would devour them, tear them apart, and make giant collages on his bedroom walls. As a young, undiagnosed dyslexic, he had a hard time with reading comprehension. However, the images and words in magazines kept Heath engaged for hours. It was this passion that led him to a career art directing some of the top magazines of the late 90s and early aughts. I'm sure many of you held those very magazines in your hands. Then, as Heath said, the internet killed the magazine star in 2008, and that's for sure. With a quick pivot, a digital designer rose from the ashes. The solid design foundation Heath had established back in his childhood bedroom was put to new use, building tablet apps and websites. Heath always got to work with smart editors and fantastic art departments, but he was never tapped to be in charge. So after 25 years of working for corporate clients, he launched the magazine of his dreams. It's called The New Maturity. It's a guide for hitting your stride. And the editor-in-chief, that's Heath, is dyslexic. In Heath's words, 
He says, I'll show you how kindness wins and takes you on a journey to discover simple ways to shift your point of view, improve your mood, make yourself a great meal and get better with age. This toolkit is a resource of ideas that excites me and I want to share them with you. I take most of the pictures, do the illustrations, concept, and write the stories. Together, we can create a better world where people are kinder to each other. If someone with dyslexia can write and launch their own magazine, I know I can inspire you to create a life that you love. And it is so true. I can't wait till you have a chance to listen to this whole conversation and then go check out the new maturity. But for now, Heath Brockwell. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so excited to, uh, to chat with you, Marco. Oh, thanks. You know, you're one of those people. I'm not, you know, I think we probably got um, introduced through windowsill chats and I'm just so, so, so glad to know you and to know about what you do because I think we're all better for it. So we're going to just dive right into that. As you heard, Heath has done all sorts of wonderful and creative things, but one that we can immediately benefit from is the new maturity. And I'd just love to know more about kind of how you got there and how you decided to do this. And obviously you're a creative as well, but I, I just love that you've turned your talent and resources to something that benefits so many. So how, how did you, you know, a little bit about your path, if you would just, just talk about yourself. <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, so I've worked in uh, my foundation is in magazines, was in print design. And um, that kind of, it was an incredible time to be in magazines. This was in the late nineties, the early aughts. Uh, people have referred to it as a golden time of printing and editorial. It so and it fun. was it was so fun. Bounced around a bunch of different places and then it ended. Um, yeah. And then I had to figure out what comes next and, um, you know, transition to being what's referred to as a digital designer or digital art director, working on different websites, uh, working for different brands. Um, and while all the time I was doing that, you know, had side hustles along the way, um, when I was working in magazines, I had a wrapping paper company. Uh, it was called Endicott Five. So that oh, was. I remember Endicott Five. You do? I totally do. I bought it for my store. Yes, I do. That is wild. Well, we, uh, me and my husband, he was my partner then. He's my husband now. We had Endicott Five, and um, we had it about three and a half, four years. So it was a great experience to have my own company and try that out. Um, and then, you know, once magazines dried up. I had a design studio, um, you know, that's kind of started as a side hustle and then flourished into a bigger thing. And we got to do um, digital magazine editions for Vanity Fair and for Vogue and for Tashin and really worked with some exciting, exciting clients. As they were trying um, to figure out what to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because it was all this unknown and, you know, uh, tablets were going to save publishing and that didn't wind up happening. Mm -hmm. Um, even though the, um, Apple newsstand experience, it's, it's great for magazines, but you know, the bespoke editions that we were doing for each of these titles was certainly fun, but just, it wasn't, it wasn't connecting. So all along the way, there have just been these lessons of this thing's going great. And then it kind of, poof, it disappears or it needs to pivot and go in a new direction. And that's, you know, really from all these lessons that I've learned along the way, that's where the new maturity came from. Um, I think it also helps being of a certain age. I'm Mm -hmm. going to be turning 50 later this year. And 
you know, having a lot of conversation with friends in terms of, you know, hearing what they're up to, um, you know, if so-and-so has decided that they're cutting down on drinking or getting mm-hmm. to bed earlier, I would always find myself in these conversations with friends saying, Hey, you know what that is? That's the new maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, just while people were trying to change, change these things about themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked that phrase. I liked um, what it meant, what it stood for, how people were trying to change and pivot similar to what I had to do all along with my career. And, you know, kind of constantly reinvent yourself or evolve to what what's happening in your life right now. So that's that's the quick version. Yeah, I have oh, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> when before I forget, and I and then I'm going to go backwards a little bit. But how do you define maturity or new maturity? Because you know, I think there's so many times in our life where we're like, it might be 30. You know, I might be 30, and I'm feeling like grown up now. I'm out of my 20s, and I'm more mature or is it for, you know, do you have kind of a line for that? I don't have a line for it so much. I know there's a term called adulting that's thrown Mm -hmm. around a lot and it's not, it's different from adulting Mm -hmm. because I see adulting as like, oh, wow. Like if, you know, if I want to, you know, get to bed at a certain time, I have to do these things. You know, adulting is more like in your twenties when you're learning these lessons of like, how to yeah. balance your checkbook or, or things like that, that weren't taught in school or to your, by your parents. Whereas the new maturity, it really is, um, you know, you're, you're at a certain point in your life and you just want to change or make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you were hanging out with a group of friends that wasn't right for you and you didn't like the way that they were treating you. Um, and you just kind of take the courage to be like, yeah, I'm going to step back from this and yeah. take care of myself or, you know, really dive into this relationship with a person or another group of friends. And that's, that's my definition of new maturity. I love that. I, I hear over and over again. And I, I think we all have felt it at certain points that you, you reach a certain age and things, things that really mattered matter less. And it might, and I think different ages create different, different circumstances. But for instance, maybe I don't care. I don't for, as me, as a woman who used to have to go to work, looking a certain way, I don't care about that. Anyway, I'm going to do my look myself, or maybe I have to think I need to do all the things. If I'm going to be a business person or an artist, I'm going to need to do this and this and this and that. And I was like, no, actually I can do the things I like or eat the food I like or live where I want, or all those things start to, you read about it when you're younger and then you're like, oh my gosh, it actually it actually starts to happen. You can actually like settle in to your way of being or leave things behind. As you said, have a new group of friends or so I, I love that you coined that. Yeah. And it just, it really is about, you know, defining in this new world, this new age, whatever, whatever we want to call it, you know, your own definition of success. And that to me is, you know, ultimately what you just described in terms of you look the way you want to look, you eat what you want to look, you hang out with the people and you do the things that you want to do. And there's no apologies for it. There's no like, oh, I should be doing this or I should, maybe I should consider, you know, wearing my hair a certain way, or I need to get this outfit. You just, you don't, you don't have to anymore. Yeah. I I have a favorite aunt who's in her late eighties, which she's, late eighties going on 40, I think, but she, she's always been that person that I could tell she just owned where she was at that time in her life. And I, I've often looked to that example of, 
be, it's okay to allow yourself that or to call claim it, you know? And it's like, I, I admire it more than I question it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So I want to go back a little bit to magazines because (laughs) I, I did a lot of shelter magazine work myself in the nineties and halcyon days for sure. And it's one of those things that you certainly didn't think was going to end. They, you know, we never thought Sears was going to go and we uh, go away. And we certainly never thought magazines were going to go away. And and after things went was, were that flurry of digital, like, Oh my gosh, which was so painful. Um, Certainly now we have some good magazines, but we, they're, they're a gift now. They're not a taken for granted. Oh, here's my pile of magazines. And I'm going to sit down and look at them and turn my corners back. It's just, it was a time, was a time. It was. And, and that really, you know, magazines to me, I know when I was, when I was younger in middle school, like I just loved to get interview magazine. It was just this giant oversized beast and we just tear it up, make all these collages, hang all these pictures up um, in my bedroom. And I just, I loved it. And that's what got me passionate and excited about magazines. Um, yeah. You know, I was, I was not a voracious reader as a, as a kid. I, I hated to read, but I loved to, you know, flip through magazines, look at the pictures, read captions, read your shorter stories. And that's what really got you know, now that I have can look back, you know, that's what really lit my fire. And it still does to this day. Isn't that interesting that it's a, that's example exactly of those things that lead us to what we are, because you feel like, oh, I should be reading this, but what you're looking at it for what you're, you particularly was, were drawn to were the graphics, the images, the visuals of it. And you went so far as to pull those out and put them on your wall. And same, I mean, I did read sometimes, but the things that attracted me and still today in a magazine that I'm going to buy or a, a publication I'm going to buy are the visuals. That's just who I am. Definitely. Um, so I love that that really was a foundation for you. Totally. What were some of the publications that you worked with? Oh my God. There were so many um, from celebrity. So I helped launch team people Um to women's magazines from self real simple um, to shelter magazines like Domino um, to real simple um, to working at on Vogue's digital edition. I mean, to truly it's, it's easily 30 print titles uh, from back in the day. And I want to say 90, maybe yeah, 90% of them are probably gone now because they just, they don't. You're exist. probably one degree of separation from many cool people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the people that I got to interact with, um, you know, that I essentially got to spend money with in terms of, yeah. you know, if it's creating a set, assigning an illustration, working on a photo shoot, all of those things. I mean, it just was incredible to get to work with and essentially be at Condé Nast, be at Time Inc., be at Hearst with their money to create these images yeah. for these titles. Was and there was just, a lot of money being spent on that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the money that was spent at some of these, it, it was just bonkers, I, bonkers. Just the boxes of flowers alone, right? That would oh air my gosh. in from, yeah. 
that had to be FedExed from across oh, the yeah. country because the flower district wasn't suitable or just, oh, just, yeah. just the nuanced <laughs> of how, how these things were done is just unbelievable. So did you have a similar role in all those things? Kind of what was your, what did they come to you for? Well, I mean, it, it, it was you know, starting at Teen People, that was a launch. So I was, you know, such a low man on the totem pole. I was, you know, just a, a designer and was yeah. just, you know, grew up reading People magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And like the at the time in the late, in the mid nineties, you know, teen culture was, you know, it has its ups and but this was a moment when it was up again, because there was Britney and there was Backstreet and there was NSYNC and all these things happening that were just the epicenter of pop culture at the time. So to get to, you know, I, I maybe went on like one or two shoots, but just to like see the film when there was physical film, come back to the office and get to like, just look at the shots and see what was going on and hear the gossip and the stories. And, you know, what this person did was just like, like, I couldn't believe, and I get to like lay this out now. I get to like pick typography and color palettes and all these things. So, I mean, it just was such, such a phenomenal education. And from there, I mean, it really was, again, building upon that foundation of how do you create a photo shoot? How do you, as an art director, come to that photo shoot and convey to, you know, however many people, be it a stylist, a set designer, a set decorator, the fashion stylist, the talent, how do you get them all on board to make sure that the vision that everybody back at the office, all the people that are spending the money on this, that it's being executed on. So that's, that's been my role as, you know, in current times. I love that. So bringing it to life really. And, and being the go between, I, I was on a, I used to do a lot of shelter magazine shoots or editorial stuff. And, um, I was on a shoot not that long ago, just before COVID and oh my goodness, was it different? It was for not to be mentioned larger. It's still an existence magazine with, you know, several owners later, but in, in the old days, we used to go on a shoot and the, I loved it because usually the photographer obviously was a huge talent, but off, you know, has an eye as well. So it wasn't just up to the stylist, the photographer and the stylist and the editor who happened to be on, or all those things maybe were combined, but it would take the picture, make, you know, shake that poor Lloyd out, make the Uh decision. But this time the, it was everybody back in the office had a picture they'd already seen of a layout Mm -hmm. they liked that was, was, you know, sent overhead, lay it out like this. Then the the picture would be sent. We'd take the picture. It would be sent back to the office. They would look at it and say, move that. It was just so different. So, so much less creativity. Totally. And I, I, I was not on that shoot with you, Margo, but I would imagine, (laughs) you know, you would be like a robot in terms of, you know, responding to what an editor in chief or whoever the person was on the other side of the screen wanted. And sometimes that person isn't the most qualified to make a creative decision like that. Case in point, I was on a shoot several years ago um, working on a, a food title and we were doing a grilled cheese story. And, you know, we had incredibly talented people at the shoot, great photographer, a great food stylist. The food stylist's job is to make the grilled cheese look gorgeous, which she did. And, you know, we had to keep sending images back to the 
office and the editor-in-chief, who wasn't a food person, who I don't know how she got this job, just tortured the shoot and just the air just went out of the room because we were so excited with what we started with and where we wound up 18 version late versions later was just like nobody was happy but you know she got what she needed so I guess that's good and I think that's you know one of the challenges of being a creative person is you have to really know like this isn't about me I can't have an ego I just need to execute on what this person wants. And, you know, much like your shoot, it sounds like it wasn't a good time, but you know, on the flip side, sometimes there are great shoots. Yes. We still had a good time and good good things came out of it for sure. I I love doing that so much, but it was just so different instead of waiting for that, you know, Polaroid to come through, you're waiting for that person to tell you to move something to the left when you, you know, it's, it's just a different it's a different vision. And it was an aha moment for me because I had been out of it for so long and I was just doing it for, you know, fun. But, um, anyway, it was, the pictures were beautiful. I was just like, wow, you see that shift of, um, decision-making and, and it's, I mean, that's just a creative thing. Yeah. (laughs) And you're right. It's helpful to know that when you're on that kind of job, be that, you know, a graphic job for somebody or a license, whatever it is that not being precious is one of the best tools we have in our toolbox. But what I love that you've done with this is said, okay, I have some thoughts. I'd like to get into the world. I have some visuals I'd like to share. I'm going to do it this way. And I think there's a few other publications like uppercase magazine. And, you know, there's several we can think of Mm -hmm. that have that are ones that we like to look at today where I feel like there's not that group 32 people making a decision. It's, it's, it comes from you. So I'd love to know uh, now. Thank you for letting me go backwards. Now I'm going back forwards again. (laughs) Um, I just, so tell me how, so you, you were talking to friends and you were seeing all this happening and you have your skills and your, in your passion. So how did that start to, you know, kind of niggle in your head of like, what should I do with this? Well, it, it turned in like, I was at a job um, and I had a really long commute. Uh, it was out on Long Island. I was living in Queens at the time. So it really, it was about three hours each day, an hour and a half there and back on the train. And so I, I had a lot of time to think. Um, and that was such precious time that I didn't want to give it up to Netflix um, which I certainly, you know, had to give into that every now and then, but that the job was so torturous um, that something good had to come out of it. So I would whip out my phone and just open the notes app and just put some thoughts down mm-hmm. and put some more thoughts down. And it just turned into this daily habit of um, what is this going to turn into? I knew it was going to be something. And it was time for a, uh, like a, at this corporate job, it was time for your yearly, um, you know, they, they give you a review and you have to set goals for yourself. And so part of my goals was I pitched this, I foolishly pitched mm. the new maturity to this company to say like, Hey, you know, Ooh. this is, this could be great for our customers, you know? This could get us into a different space and just really just be really thoughtful. And luckily, my manager at the time was just like, we don't have the resources for this. 
And I was like, okay, great. And that was my, like, you had your chance. Like, I'm going to do this. And that was my like, aha moment of just like, they're passing. I tried. Yeah. This is mine. This is no longer theirs. It's all mine. Oh, that's so good. What a good yeah, moment. Yeah. I, and I'm so glad that I did that because had I'm no longer with the company, had I left it there, I just would have been oh. so bummed out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, things happen for a reason, for sure. So true. So true. And the, and the skill that you had then to be able to, to bring it to life. It's not like you had to convince somebody else to do it. You, you could no, do that and- then. No. And that was, again, going back to what I had mentioned earlier with um, Endicott 5, with the wrapping paper company. Um, At the time, I was working at Teen People magazine, and I had access to a color printer. And this color printer, and as I had mentioned, I was a low man on the totem pole. I was in charge of ordering supplies for the color printer. So I would work on all these designs, print them out, and was printing like crazy there to the point that somebody was just like, Hey, we're going through a lot of toner. I was like, I know, right. There's been a lot of changes in the magazines. So I was, you know, trying to take advantage of this yeah. color printer technology. Yeah. That was great. I printed all this stuff out and I took it to what was then the stationary show and showed it around to a bunch of different people. And, you know, some people were just like, get out of here. This is a trade only show. I don't have time to look at this. Other people were just like, Hey, send us samples. And my takeaway from the show was just like, I, I got nowhere. Mm. And then I was just like, I have to do this myself. Uh-huh. If I want this to go into the world or be, you know, this fantastic wrapping paper line, I need to make it happen. So the, th- the same thing happened with the new maturity when yeah. this other company passed on it. I was like, great. Yeah. I need to make it happen. You know, I, I feel like as humans, we sort of think, oh, gosh. I have this idea who, who can help me get into the world. I think about, um, curly girl cards because this I've talked about this with her. So it's a square format card and, and she started them 20 years ago and she thought she, she graduated, you know, she knew Hallmark. So she interviewed at Hallmark. She interviewed several times, almost got a job there. That card would have never been produced the way it was at Hallmark. She didn't get hired there. She started on her own and, and she figured it out. Right. And it was, it's been 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I think um, sometimes it's ju- that's just exactly right. It's like, you know, if it's going, if a certain idea is going to get out into the world, you've carried it around long enough. And you're, you think, shoot, I just have to figure this out myself. And it's so fun. I mean, yeah, it's work. Right. So, so there will be learning is not a, you know, easy, but that's the fun part of it too, but it's so rewarding. So to put Endicott five out into the world and now new maturity, which can touch so many people that one thing I love about new maturity is first of all, your words are so relevant. They're across the board relevant, I think. And I, I love how, how the ideas you have, how it comes across the visuals are gorgeous. I just feel like it's so timely. So it must be very cool to have touched on something or found something that so many people can relate to at this I, time. I, I, I well, first of all, thank you. That's incredibly generous of you to say that. Um, and yeah, it is exciting because this project really is, it's all me in the sense that 
I'm writing it. I'm doing a lot of the photography. I'm doing a lot of the illustration. Um, I'm laying it out. And just to go back to that foundation of that's what I'm building upon, you know, having worked in magazines and been surrounded with, you know, it might've been People Magazine or it might've been Self Magazine or a magazine that you just might think like, that's a really stupid magazine. But there were some really smart people Mm -hmm. that I got to work with. And that definitely, um, you know, the whole time that I was, you know, at these different publications and rising up in seniority or whatever you want to call it, it was just such a great time to absorb and um, learn from these people. And so that's what the new maturity is, you know, in terms of taking that editorial skill and applying it to a project like this. Mm, I'm so glad you did. You know, part of me wonders if you hadn't have had that commuting time, that hour and a half where you weren't, you know, you had a minute to think about it. Do you think you would have gotten to it in just a different way? I mean, how it just is a reminder that we need to clear our heads sometimes, or we do need to stop and, and capture these ideas we have. It's so true. And it was such a miserable job that this really is the good that came from that job. And the reason why it's so like, again, I've always had a side hustle or whatever it's called these days. Like I, and currently like I'm working at a, um, at, you know, I don't even know what version of you would call this, but I do another foot back in the editorial world working for um, a native content studio, which is about creating ads that just run in magazines and run in websites and have that little advertisement line at Mm. the top of it. That's supposed to, you know, entice readers to read it, to make it look like editorial. Um, So it's really, I've always had to have a day job or a steady gig or kept a foot in that reality. Whereas this other foot has been in this, for lack of a better term, fantasy world where I get to create and do my own thing. And I know everybody has their own path to creativity, but this has been mine in terms of this is how I have to pay the bills is just be realistic and take the skill set that I have and spin it to whoever the client is. Exactly. And I, I think that's absolutely admirable because it allows, if you didn't do that, you wouldn't allow yourself to have the, you know, the bandwidth to put this beautiful thing into the world. If you've been around for a bit, you know how passionate I am about community and connection among creatives. Being in the creative industry myself for a long time and getting to know many different areas of it, I can personally speak to the challenges that go into building confidence as an artist, managing all the ideas, tasks, and projects as a creative, and feeling alone and isolated when much of your work is done solo. This is exactly why I teamed up with brand consultant Natalie of Studio Shepherd to bring you Relish Your Creativity. Hey, Margo, I'm so excited to finally have a space to facilitate and continue the real conversations that you have here on Windowsill Chats. Relish Your Creativity is a monthly creative community designed to help clarify your creative journey. Whether you're an artist, an illustrator, maker, or creative, this community bridges the gap between art, product, and a life fulfilled. It's made up of like-minded creatives who are ready to grow in their artistic endeavors, as well as grow a profitable business. 
It really is. We bring you monthly trainings where we deep dive into relevant topics. There's live group mentorship with myself and Natalie. There's a private Facebook group. We have great guest speakers, live chats, and a really caring community. And we want to offer you a little taste of this membership. And so we wanted to invite anyone and everyone to join our free community chat that happens on Zoom the second Thursday of every single month. We call this free Zoom Relish Open Studio because it's a comfortable creative space where we can simply just come together. To register, head over to relishyourcreativity.com backslash open studio or if you already know this membership is right for you we would truly love to see you inside if you have dreamt of having your artwork out in the world that is our jam the relish your creativity community is waiting just for you you mentioned that you know when we're working for somebody else or many somebodies we aren't always tapped to be the decision maker and so you can go and do that and, and pay the rent that way, but then you can come to this project of yours and be the decision maker. And there's so much gorgeous <laughs> beauty in being allowed to put something into the world that is your idea, your passion. You know, I even feel like from an art director standpoint, I've seen it both ways. I've seen somebody saying, we want this just exactly this way. Like we were talking about with that photo shoot. And what a different product you get when you come and say, hey, Heath, here's the general thing we need. How would you do it? Exactly. And that's what I find when I'm on set and when I'm working with people, I'll be like, hey, you know, gather around. Here's the brief. This is what we're going for. This is what we have to come back with. You know, this is locked and loaded, but doesn't mean we can't try variations. Doesn't mean, you know, I'm not not I'm not set in stone because that's where the magic lies to your point is you know maybe we do try something a little different and surprise somebody when we get back to the office it rarely happens that way but you know I I want I want to work with creative people that can go both ways yeah I love that so much so if you don't mind you mentioned in the paperwork that I got to see ahead of time a little bit about having dyslexia mm-hmm. I think many of us, I know my mom, you know, it's it's a creative thing, just like ADHD. So many of the things that we all can say, oh yeah, I can totally relate to that. But did you feel like that helped you get where you are today? I I would love to know kind of how, how that affected you in a positive light. Sure. So just a disclaimer on dyslexia. I am not an expert on it. I've never been tested for it. Um, when I was in middle school or high school, I went to the guidance counselor and said, Oh, I, I think I'm having this issue. And they're like, Oh, it's too late. You can't get tested. So I, I am Mm self-diagnosed. Um, but I truly see it now as one of my superpowers in terms of, I know that I see the world a certain way. And even when, you know, I'm reading copy for a story or, typesetting a headline or things like that. Like I know I'll make mistakes and that's why I have an editor that I work with. And it's really, it's been incredibly hard for me to ask for help. But luckily I have a friend, a dear friend, her name is Deb Ollie. And she has been um, so helpful in terms of looking at the copy and reviewing it before it goes live. Um, So that's, that's how I can speak to dyslexia as a superpower. 
I love that. You know what? And I think that falls right into the modern maturity thing because I have never been diagnosed with ADHD, but I'm pretty sure I have, you know, when I read the symptoms, I actually Mm -hmm. asked my doctor last time I was in there and she's like, I don't know. It's kind of like you're way too, but so what I've found is I know what my strengths are, Mm -hmm. where I need help. And that itself is maturity, right? When you can say, I'm going to be better at this than this thing over here. So if you want me to do this thing over here, it's going to have to have this, you know, added layer or whatever it is. Definitely. And and it's just about embracing who we are. I, I kind of feel like all the, all the names of things are, that's a, that's a new thing for me. It's like, we've all been people living the way we live for centuries. Now, Mm -hmm. now we're naming things. Basically it's, it's knowing what you're good at and knowing how to move that forward. Right. Um, you know, and as, as far as that, um, creatives out there are wondering like, how do I take what I'm good at or what I don't, what I'm not good at and, and turn it into something like you did. What would you say, um, are maybe some tips that you found along the way Certainly you've, you've described it to me, like riding in the train, going to a job that maybe wasn't, wasn't lighting you up completely. And just knowing you had something to get out. What are tips that you would give to people that would be like, if you have a dream for something, if you have an idea even for something. Sure. That's, that's a fantastic question. And, uh, it will be, um, written about in the next issue of the new maturity. So I'll give you a little preview. Um, what, something that's been key for me is having a routine, having a schedule, Mm -hmm. I get up every morning at a certain time. I know that I'm going to exercise during this time. And then I know I'm going to write um, because I, I need to own my time mm-hmm. from nine until six. There's somebody else who owns that time mm-hmm. and they pay my bills, yeah. but before nine o'clock and after six o'clock, I own that time. That's mine. That's time for my friends, the new maturity, my family to read, to go to museums, to just whatever I want to do. But owning your time is just so, so important for any kind of project um, or any kind of thing that you want to get out into the world. Are you good at managing your time? Are you good at figuring that out? Uh, I'm good in the sense that, again, like I have meetings with myself in terms of, okay, this is the new issue. Let's figure out the outline. Okay, let's you know, and I, I write it out on index cards and, you know, move stuff around on, on paper. Um, and then I kind of drill down and figure out what the stories are. And then I concept what the visuals are that go with this. Am I photographing this? Is this going to be an illustration? Am I going to do a bigger photo shoot that's going to require a prop stylist? You know, all those kinds of things to figure it out. That's like the details that I really enjoy doing and that I Super, I'm super passionate about. Whereas, you know, there are other details, like there's a, um, a free download that's on the website. And right before I was going to launch it, it wasn't linked up. I couldn't figure out how to get the person's email address to like just connecting the dots. And I was like, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at reaching out to people. So I went on to Upwork. And I found somebody awesome. who, you know, I posted a job, be like, hey, like need this real quick. And somebody, you know, in the modern age that we live in, somebody swooped in, it didn't cost that much money and I was able to outsource it. And it was such a huge relief because oh, going yeah. back to what you had said, you know, there's just certain things you're not good at. Like yeah. 
I can do the website there. I can do, you know, 80% of the website, but that extra mm-hmm. 20% that gets outsourced. Like I can't do it all. And I think knowing, you know, when, when you should outsource something versus when you can do it yourself, that's also an incredible um, strength to have. It's new maturity. It's what that is. <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I agree. I honestly, before I launched the podcast and maybe one of the things that stopped me from launching it sooner for sure was, um, I thought I had to do it all myself. I thought I had to edit it. I thought I had to understand all these ins and outs. And, um, a dear friend was talking to me and she's like, you know, you don't have to. And, and I found my fabulous editor or it wouldn't be out there in the world. And because I did, I learned how I, well, I at least watched several videos on how, but then I realized if I really have to touch everything, it won't make it out into the world because I do have to, you know, put food on the table. Right. And, 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 in along that thread, you know, there was a version of the new maturity when it launched. I want to say it's been around for about four years. It took about a year and a half for me to launch it. And it was just on a simple WordPress site. And it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it, it looked awful, but I hate to go back to this. It was the foundation that, you know, I got it out into the world. Like yes. I took that step. Yes. And from there, you know, I figured out what the next step was going to be and it's changed, it's evolved. And, you know, I want to say a few weeks ago, like I did a slight tweak and redesign to the homepage. And like, now I'm just like, yes, mm-hmm. this is singing. This is uh. making sense to me now. And it took, you know, like four years for me to get to that place of I'm, this is firing on all cylinders. I am proud of this. It makes sense to me and my, you know, in my mind, be it this dyslexic right. mind or whatever it is, and it's working. And it's I'm so excited mind. about it or creative mind. Thank you. Right. I think <laughs> that's what we should just call it all. I love that you said it's sing. Yes, it's singing. I mean, you, you, you said, I know you had probably a vision in your mind when you said that, but it's true. I know we all get hung up on, oh, I'm not going to put it out there until this happens or that happens, but you can always tweak it. You can always tweak it. And if you, if you're passionate about it, it's, you're going to want to do that anyway. You're, you'll grow with it. Of course. And four years ago, I wouldn't have been ready to have this conversation with you, Mm. even though we're friendly, we know each other, we have a great vibe, but still it just, it's taken me four years. This has not been, Mm -hmm. you know, an overnight thing. It really has. um, It's like a seed. It's just, you know, a really tiny sapling at this point. And I hope that it will continue to grow and mature. I can't wait for more people to find out about that. So I, I would love to know about when you plan a new issue, you know, your thread of thinking is just, I know I'm going to open an article and see something I'm interested in and, and learn something that I'm interested in. And I, I find for a content creator, like I'm, I don't have a blog because I don't feel like that's a strength coming up with an idea. How do you, how do you get inspired for, and, and kind of figure out what's What's going to be in there next? So <laughs> to quote Nora Ephron, I think it was her son who there was a documentary that came out uh, right after she had passed and it was called It's All Copy. And that refers to when she was working at the New York Post and all of these experiences that she was having, you know, this is all copy. Essentially my life, it's all content. 
mm-hmm. is the newer <laughs> version of that. Um, you know, I'm so lucky. I live with a great guy. I'm married to a great guy. We have such an awesome life. And um, we just get to do all this fun stuff together. And it's really inspiring. And so, you know, stuff that is that winds up in the new maturity is it'll be like, oh, like I made this great like oatmeal bake that I did earlier this week that's going to wind up in next year's issue. Um, so it's little stuff like that that like, like, oh, like I really like that we still get the hard copy of the Sunday Times delivered and we take time on Sunday morning to just mm-hmm. like sit and read the paper. This is a great yeah. idea for a story. Um, in terms of, you know, just taking time for yourself that you have this routine or this pattern of stuff that just is for lack of a better term, quiet time that you can celebrate. It just feels like to me, words that everyone needs to hear yet. They're not put forth in a saccharine trendy way at all. They're put out there in a way that you want to open it and read it like the Sunday New York times. Right. You know, and, and I love too, how you said it's, it's your content, your life is the content. Right. And so it's a reminder because the stories of our lives, the, who we are every day is really what to me is the interesting part. And I, and I love how this is turned into just because of how you turn a phrase or, or, or becomes an article, if you will, or, or Mm -hmm. something in the magazine that it becomes, yes, it's about you because what something you did inspired you to, to capture that, but everybody can see a piece of themselves too. It's like, oh, I can totally relate to that. I needed to hear that today. I'm going to try that recipe. You know, those are the magazines that we love and miss and you're bringing it back in a way and with a whole subject that it just feels so timely. Yeah. And well, th- again, thank you for saying that. Um, because there is a, um, when I am concepting and I'm thinking of these stories, you know, I really do try to think about what the reader, um, what the takeaway is. Um, there was a magazine that I worked at um, back in the heyday that was all about, you know, um, living a simplified life. I won't mention the name <laughs> of the magazine, but you know, it was incredibly, these stories would get incredibly complicated Mm -hmm. and it almost got to the point that these stories were about, you know, well, you should get this box and you put the things in the box and the box will organize your life when really you don't need the box. You just need less stuff. But then, you know, if I let the secret out, you're not going to buy the magazine. If you're not going to buy the magazine, the advertiser is not going to get in front of you. So I really go back to that I always did it, the magical box story that we would do at this magazine, um, because that's what I don't want the new maturity oh my gosh. to be. <laughs> I want tra- these to be things that you can do that yes. aren't really that expensive, um, that are fairly easy to do and just, you know, help you live a better life. I think that you just said that so well, and I'm chuckling because a particular magazine that we might both be referring to, <laughs> I remember thinking, I want to love this and I do, but it's, it's complicated. It's complicated simplicity. Anyway, I feel like when you, when you go through these things and you see why large companies that you've worked for ideas that are so multifaceted, 
gosh, couldn't we just simplify that? Couldn't we just say, have, let's talk about having less stuff. Or if you're going to buy a box or, you know, whatever that is, but you, you've, you nailed it. And I think <laughs> it's just so refreshing to see it done that way. And I, the shoots I used to be on that, why can't we just shoot this room in the gorgeous way it is? Well, because we have to represent this advertiser on the floor and this advertiser on the wall. And oh my goodness, that was an exactly. aha moment when I realized that that's how those things happened. Yeah. And they, and they still happen to this yeah, day. Sure. You know, you're scrolling through Instagram. Oh, and I'm sure Instagram's listening to this conversation right now. <laughs> and we'll throw a bunch of those advertisers <laughs> at you because yep. it can. Um, so it just, you know, I, again, I just try to be incredibly mindful of those stories and your life doesn't really have to be that complicated to be pretty amazing. It's true. So if you were telling somebody that didn't know anything about you, just met somebody at a, a you know, I was going to say a cocktail party, Do it's been a long time, but somewhere and, and you were just telling them about your reason for and your ideas for new maturity, what would you tell them? I would tell them, I'd be like, Hey, you should go check out this website. It has a bunch of ideas. It's essentially a guide to living better. It's a guide to helping you hit your stride. And what I have done, because I feel like I'm at a cocktail party with you, what I've <laughs> yeah. done with this most recent incarnation is it's divided into four sections. There's a section called nurture and nurture is stories that are really about taking care of yourself. Like I just did this one day internship at a coffee roasting plant that was fantastic that I learned tons about myself and um, the coffee roasting process I'd always been curious about. Um, There's another section called discover and in discover, I got to talk to a woman who just launched a a bedding line. It's it's made from hemp. I knew nothing about hemp um, and it was fascinating to, to hear about that. Um, there's another section called my maturity and in my maturity, you know, I'm talking to mainly different artists and fashion designers, creative people hearing what their perfect day is like, or six things that they love and why they love them. And then the, the other section is called in season and in season is just, you know, taking a look at what season we're in and how you can celebrate it from making a great dish to getting outside to we're coming into spring this time of year. So I've just, purchased some seeds for a garden and I'm really excited to plant some sweet peas. I've never done that before. So we'll see what happens. Oh, I love. And the picture for that was so good too. Thank you. I loved your tips of it's spring, you know, sort of tips to get into spring. Yeah. 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 I I really, that's been one of the, I don't want to say perks of COVID because I know it's been a really challenging time for a lot of people, but having, you know, living in Pennsylvania and seeing the seasons um, evolve over the past two years has just been so incredible to get to do that. Um, It's been great. Well, I know after hearing that everyone's saying like, I want this, I want to see this magazine. How do I get it? So what's the best way to learn more about you and new maturity? You can just log on to the new maturity.com. So when you go onto the website, I want to say after about five seconds, there's going to be a pop-up window. I have an awesome new download. It's called um, 10 Ways to Improve Your World. And that has all kinds of, um, it's a a free PDF, has all kinds of awesome um, tips and tricks from taking a walk to great stuff to bake, to um, places to travel and visit. 
Um, also, you can visit me or find me on Instagram. I'm at the new maturity. And um, those are two great places to start. So good. I am so glad you're putting this out into the world. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for platforms like this that get the word out there. Much, much appreciated, Margo, for what you're doing. Oh, thanks. You know, it's we're here talking about this because we're really, truly interested in it. You know, we're, we, you, me, those people listening, we're, I do this because I'm fascinated as to what makes people think they want to do something or try something or where did their creativity come from? Or the fact that you cut out the magazines and put that all over your wall. You know, one of the things I was thinking to myself was, um, I mean, you're, you're an expert and you've been doing this over and over and over again, and you have the, the technology and the, um, the platforms you go to, to make something, but if somebody like wants to just put a simple layout together, what tool, this is just a random creative question. Sure. What would you recommend using um, to do that? So I've never used it, but, and, and I feel like an idiot for saying this, but um, there's this thing called Canva, which I know like <laughs> everybody, everybody uses. You and haven't reason, used it because you're, you're beyond that. You've used all well, the other I, things. And, and by beyond that, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to come off as I'm better, but right. you know, no, the tools just... that we used were made by a certain company that, you know, are expensive tools and are for a more, you know, professional level, but Canva in terms there was just an article in fast company just reading about, you know, what they've done and how they've democratized this, you know, essentially everybody is, everybody can be an art director now. And they I made it very accessible. Yeah. And I don't, I, I'm not threatened by that, you know, yeah. that, you know, that's great that somebody can put together what they think is a great PowerPoint presentation. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, if they get excited about it because they can make it look a certain way, that's incredible. Yeah. That's empowering. And that's yeah. what we want really. Yeah. Yeah. Want. And if that, you know, if Canva, you know, if you get to a certain point where you don't like Canva anymore, there's a bunch of other tools out there that at least, you know, get the ball rolling with things. That's awesome. I appreciate yeah. that. I really do. <laughs> you know, I want to know who's inspiring you. That's one of my mm -hmm. favorite things. Can you share a few people that are inspiring you right now? I would love to. Um, so there is a painter. His name is Louis. Fratino, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And he's a, a queer artist. And um, I just, I love his color palette. His representation of the male body is just, it's, it's not, um, it's not this chiseled, hunky, um, typical gay um, figure. Mm -hmm. It just, it's a normal looking guy. And I just, I really appreciate, so appreciate that. that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Um, more new, more new maturity. Yeah. Um, and while we're talking painting, um, Stuart Davis has been a huge, huge influence. Um, I just love how um, graphic his paintings look. They're just, they're so, and I, I don't know if this goes back to the dyslexia, but there's just such a flat cubism that also Lewis has in his work as well, that um, I just, I love the way they see space and mm. um, it just, everything aligns right to me in their paintings. So those two painters. I love how you say that, the way they see space. Yeah. And shape and yeah, I love it. Yeah, that. like I, when I was in art school, like when we would have to do three-dimensional drawing, like I just, I could never do it. Like everything was just very flat and planar to me. Um, and so that's why seeing these two, these two artists, um, they just, they're really, 
I'm responding to them right now. Mm. And then the third thing that is always um, front and center is Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy is a huge, huge influence. God, I on love me. you said that. <laughs> so great. And, and she's also, she's referred to as the pig around our houses and what would the pig do? Um, and she's just, I grew up watching the Muppet show and she was just, she was the standout character of the Muppet show. She was almost like the Lucille ball of yes. the Muppet show in terms of she had guts, she had stamina, she was wacky. She wanted to be the center of attention. She wanted to star in the show, but it never really came together for Miss Piggy. Um, <laughs> And she has great hair. I mean, what's not to love about a pig with great hair? So such an awesome character. Yeah. <laughs> that that is such a refreshing inspiration. Thank you yeah. for that. My pleasure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he, you know, I don't think my months will be complete now without diving into the new maturity. I am so grateful for this conversation, for finding out more about what inspires you and how this has come to be. And I just look forward to to catching up on a few that I've missed and continuing to, to drink it all in. Thank you. And again, Margo, thank you so much for your time. This has been a blast. So thanks. Come back. I'd love to. That's it for this episode of windowsill chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantowstudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.